Hello and welcome to the Level Playing Field podcast with Dr. Kian Hemps. This is episode three now. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Hemps. How are you? I'm, I'm all right, yeah. Again, lockdown still, in it. Yeah, still locked. Lockdown Lock, with lockdown, the rest of the country. Yeah. Cool. Shut in, yeah. So again, just Bad. smashing it with a small talk. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. Let's move on. Tracks of the week. Tracks of the week. <laughs> Straight into we'll, it. We'll figure out how to do small yeah, talk we'll, soon. Yeah, we'll come naturally. So, my track of the week this week is Night Rider by Tom Mish, Yusuf Days, and featuring Freddie Gibbs. I've heard this, it's, it's so smooth, it's so good. There's, I mean, it's, it's silky smooth, it's super tight. Freddie kills it on the feature. It's, like, it's just one of those songs where it's like, what's not to love, you know? And as well, the visuals. I saw the, the video, yeah. The... insane. Yeah. <laughs> just got, got them chilling yeah. out and. Scott, <laughs> Scott, Quaz, and the Zebra popping up every now yeah. and again. If you look very closely. But yeah, it's honestly nothing much to say other than a great tune. Check it out. It's very, very good. Cool. What's, what's yours, Hamza? So, so, my track of the week is Party Popper. It's a drill track by oh, Backroad nice. G. There's a remix that came out recently with Ambush and Parsalute. And so I, I, this was another one I was turned on to by Kenny Beats. And since then, I've heard about three, four people message me saying I have to check out this tune. And it's like, I think it's taking over at the moment. It's, yeah. I haven't been much into drill, if I'm being honest, but this mm. is getting me into it, man. Like it's yeah. really it's solid got that tune. Snare as well. It's got legendary snare the that legendary, Kenny Beats wanted the party to find. Popper snare itself. And then suddenly his Twitch chat went on a search for it. <laughs> <laughs> Managed to find it in like ten minutes. So, what do you think about this? Like, drill's kind of taking over the world at the moment. I mean, <clears throat> it's interesting, really, because it's it's dominating the UK at the moment. And has been yeah. for a few years, and you know, it's for that's in terms of the underground kind of music culture, as well as in the news, like the controversial side of it. And it's interesting, man. It goes back to Chicago back in 2011 with mm. Chief Keef, and I suppose the whole premise of the genre is it's relaying life stories. You know, it's gritty, grim lyrics, dark sounding instrumentals, and it's just. You know, it's, it's a very vivid picture, is, is is what it's painting. So obviously, it's found its way over here, and right now it's very, very, very controversial. But it's, I would say, it's one of the most important uh, I, genres I feel like to come out. The UK is blowing it up, isn't it? You said it started in Chicago, but here yeah. is where it's really blown up, and yeah. it, it's now spreading to other places because of the UK. We're really at the forefront of it. There's a lot of. Um, like for example, there's an Australian drill crew <laughs> yeah. called One Four. Every, every country seems to have its drill scene. Yeah, if you listen to them, like sonically, they're very similar to like it, it could pass. Like you could throw a UK rapper on like the same beats, and it would sound authentic. So yeah, I mean, I, I love Irish drill. Yeah. I just think oh, that's man. so funny. Oh. <laughs> just in, it's exactly what you think in the accents and everything. Ireland's been through some been through some shit, man. Like. And an angry Irish guy is some scary shit. Yeah, and it, yeah. it's in all the European countries. Like it just takes Google search to find out. I was listening out, to a German one earlier today. I can't remember what he's called. But yeah, it's 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 yeah. taking over. Because I th- I think it's it's pretty simple to do, isn't it? Something mm. that like every area can can replicate, and because it's so close to the streets, and it's about repping where you come from isn't it i mean it's it's a very it's a very important genre though i think and i think there there's it's got a lot of critics and i think that mm. a lot of those critics that are blaming the music for being the cause of all the gang culture and like all the gang violence that's going on uh, they've completely misunderstood it it's not yeah. perpetuating that violence it's it's a reflection of that violence um, yeah and it's it's a it's a much needed voice. It's like it's an outlet. It's like exactly. 
it goes back to the 80s and the 90s when gangster rap was just coming about. You know, everyone was like, oh, mm. my God, how are they saying this shit? It's like, you know, this is our reality. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of the people criticizing it as well, they're people that have never had to live that life. And, you know, if you're in that bubble of privilege, that's that's cool. But I think if you're in the government or whatever and you've got power over the nation and people's lives, you know, you've got a responsibility to understand that world and not just like dismiss it as violence it's reality there's really small artists that can just come out of nowhere and make a drill tune but exactly. then you get you got like the innovators yeah. that are kind of blowing up at the moment you got heady one who just put out exactly, a tape yeah. and it, it's kind of pushing the genre forward i think this tape i personally really enjoyed it i don't know how it's doing commercially at the moment but i think this is going to possibly end up being a very pivotal release obviously any genre obviously we're talking drill here but it needs experimentation mm. and it needs artists that are willing to do that in order to survive and i think that's what heady one's doing here i think there's more of a musical focus and you know it's keeping people interested in the music what's going on it's allowing for more focus on the words and the stories that he's that he's talking about and i think it's good that drill's doing that because as we saw with grime they didn't innovate early enough i think we we had the same sort of grime sound for way too long and then it died out exactly and i don't i don't want that to happen with drill i want it to innovate and exactly and evolve and stay with us exactly. for a good amount of time you know i think by focusing on the music and the stories more so than just like having big banging beats it's it kind of i think takes it back to what drill like kind of is about which is about it being that outlet and so and it's it's a different demographic isn't it it's like you have to think it's kids definitely. watching grm daily a lot of the time rather mm -hmm. than streams on spotify that you might exactly. have like drake or someone massive will have completely different audience from what mainstream music is mm. well it's very underground Speaking of mainstream music, Ooh. <laughs> do you want to go this on could to lead our on to... first album? <laughs> yes, let's do it. Let's do it. New Toronto Free by Tory Lanes. First of all, what was your experience with Tory Lanes? Uh, it was similar to Party Next Door, to be fair. Never really listened to him. I had listened to him, just not properly, like... Yeah, very yeah. much in the background nothing st struck out especially. I knew like one of his big songs called Say It but other than that I mean that's, that's a pretty big song but you know that, I, but... I went into this one with an open mind yeah. and my, my expectations were very very low because of what I heard I was expecting Party Next Door again and <laughs> last week that one that party mobile album it felt it felt like it was sucking sucking my soul out slowly we went from the weekend's probably best album yeah. like it was insane synths everywhere yeah to just it was just a just massive dip from life from the man. first week so I, I didn't really know going into this my expectations were low and i liked it more than i expected to mm. i didn't it didn't blow me away after listening to the first track I was like, I was so hyped for the rest of the album. <laughs> I thought track one was incredible. I loved it. And then track two and three were pretty good. But then after track four, it just, just took a dip and never came back. And I just felt really let down. I feel like it could have been so much better. Um, I didn't hate it, but... Yeah, I don't want to sound like an old head boomer type thing yeah, yeah yeah but on the first track when i was first listening to it the auto tune felt really strong i don't know if you picked up on that but it took me time to adjust to it for me it sounded like i've not picked up on the auto tune so much but it sounded a lot like he was really pushing his voice yeah i, I mean there's examples of his normal voice and i think that sounds fine i think they could turn down the auto tune a little bit but like I said, maybe that's just the the old head within me. I think I think he's very good um, melodically. One of the things with, one of the things with this album was 
his his themes are kind of the rags to riches side of things. I think if you listen to someone like Jay Z, like Biggie, who who does that kind of thing really well, how they're tying all those themes together seamlessly, and how they're telling their stories very artistically, very vivid, very vividly, and it's all very clever in how they do it with their words. Whereas over here, it's kind of like one minute he's like, "Yeah, I was in the trap. I was doing all the all, all this shit, to survive," and then he's just got he's just throwing in lyrics about like his bitches and his money. And it's I do feel that I was, I was looking for him to be a bit more introspective exactly. on this album, and there's places where he is, but you really have to dig for them. <laughs> like, is that it? there's there's tracks yeah. where you think he is, he's starting to like reveal more of him, more of himself, but he's still just got this braggadocious mm. attitude to everything like it doesn't feel like he's tying it in together very well as an album mm. either pricey and spicy i mean this was a brilliant intro it our oh, favorite track on the album it was a very explosive start mm. also the kick on this thing was huge like yes. if you listen to it yeah. again it, it, it almost sounds like it's clipping but in a good way mm. it, it adds a lot and it's the whole thing you've got the classical tinge and it's, he's really really pushing his voice and it is a trap song but it's very very good trap and it got me excited for the rest of the album I think as well obviously the theme is about the come up and I like the kind of classical tinge in here the opera kind of classical influence as well and that kind of ties in with the pricey side of things. Yeah. The pricey and spicy. Um, but I thought this was this was an awesome start. This got me excited for the album. Yeah, I, I think it was, it was a good, good first intro. One track I really liked was Stupid Again. Stupid Again, okay. Yeah, yeah. What do so you like I, about it? I think this is an example of like just a great trap song. The the beat just goes really hard. You've got string samples and the, the where it cuts out, it's perfect. And then the beat comes back in and it's really hard. Um, yeah, I I think mm. there's there's this type of song on the album a lot, and it's done best here. Yeah, so I think it's a well made trap song, like you said. Uh, I didn't think it was anything special, but. Compared to the songs after this, it was definitely one. One, the first three songs were definitely the peak of the album for me. Um, but yeah, this song was it was right. I, I really liked how they put in the Conor McGregor sample, and they had a bunch of <laughs> yeah um, other rapper references in there. So they had a there was a Soldier Boy reference. There was a Jay Z interpolation uh, with the Ferrari bit. Um, there was also a Method Man interpolation at the end. Okay. With the um, he's like Polavu Francais, all that good stuff. That's off. That's that's off Ice Cream by Raekwon. Yeah, uh, with Method Man doing that. Actually. I don't know. The, there was a bit um with strings, and it kind of reminded me of in of the box Roddy Rich at the beginning. Mm, okay. Not the eater, but but the the strings at the beginning of that song. Oh, I listen back to I, that. I, I I kind of got those vibes in there, but yeah, I, I was just vibing with this one and. I think for me, it's the one I enjoyed the most, to be honest, on the on album. The whole album. Yeah. Okay. I'd it, say it was it was the one that clicked with me the most. The the next track is Ten Fox or Ten F <laughs> apostrophe C K S. I don't know. I haven't read too much into the lyrics, but I don't know if there was a reason for that censorship never know but anyway what did you think of this track for me i thought the hook was catchy yep and that's about it right i i i thought the vocals were just sounding way too strained throughout sounded too forced pitched up ones as well they didn't really work for me i thought um the choice of feature i didn't really like i thought the lyrics were very shallow the melodies were very boring and repetitive and his voice itself felt very dime a dozen, like not special at all. I think right. I don't know. Throughout the song, it, it, it was just it was, it, it was it was boring me, man. Obviously, the hook was catchy. But yeah, that, that was that was it for me. I think as well with the oh. outro as well, because they were going for that kind of 
rich melodic harmonic sound yeah and i noticed they they swapped out the 808s for some mm. bass lines either real bass or midi bass but uh, it was a nice change from the 808s i thought with the outro right if you listen to someone like bon Iver, for example he mm. nails that kind of hot harmony yeah. style right he, he i've not i've not heard anyone do it better than him for, for me personally so i don't know i think when you listen to him quite a lot, it sets the bar quite high for that style. <laughs> okay. So I feel like yeah. if you listen to his shit on, on Yeezus or Twisted Fantasy or 22 A Million, which is one of his newer albums, mm. and then you go back and listen to this, it, I, I was just, I was hoping for a lot more. <laughs> I thought it could have been a lot richer. Um, <laughs> right. So it let me down, man. This was the point in the album where I was like, oh, God damn. This is one of the ones I'd heard before listening to the album. So I was already familiar with it, but I just, my take on it was it's not really my sort of thing, but it's decent. You know, I think the beat's simple, but I don't think that's a detriment to the track. I felt like this about a few other tracks on it, um, where they weren't anything special, but I enjoyed them anyway. Yeah, like it, it uses this guitar loop sample, and it's it like it's the same thing, but. I like how they pitch it up and down here and there, and they it's got some variation to it, you know. Wasn't really doing anything for me, man. And I, I just really, I really didn't like the feature. I think as well. Yeah. That was another gripe with my album on the whole, was that I think if you're gonna get a feature on your song, it's and and if you are the highlight of your song, still mm. with that feature, so you you need a better feature. <laughs> Think I think so? someone like Tory Lanez as well. Like he's he's got a massive budget. I think I don't know. Yeah, I imagine and outs, so. But I imagine he's got a fair bit to spend. As it well, well no, he does because he's describing it all throughout the album, isn't it? <laughs> but bragging about it with yeah. all that money, pay for some better features, man. <laughs> so who have we got on this album? We got Mansa on Ten Fuck. We got Mansa and then Lil and TJ. Got, yeah, we got Lil TJ when accidents happen. What did you think of? accidents happen with little tj do you think that was a better feature i liked stupid again right mm. and then the the track bangers on here i felt never peaked to the point that stupid again did i feel mm. like that's the best example of it on the album and then whenever it tried to do it again it kind of just wasn't as good it kind of fell flat Dev, that's how i felt with track one as well it does start off really well and then they just try and recreate the same sound or same tracks mm. repeatedly. And as an album, like I can, I felt this, this is kind of built for rap caviar. Yeah. You know what I mean? As, as an yeah. album that you listen to, I don't know. It's not an album. Listen, man. It was another one that was, it was a difficult listen because I kept getting down the track list. And as it went down, my interest became yeah. less and less same, and less. Same. And I wanted to go listen to the strokes. <laughs> it's the kind of thing where I was like, I was I was listening to it like a few times, and I feel like if you're looking at the tracklist saying, "Oh, how long left?" and you see you're only halfway through the yeah, album, yeah. there's 16 like, tracks on here, and it's, though it's only 44 it's minutes, it feels like two hours. It feels like ages, man. <laughs> Honestly, um, like a lot of my disappointment with this album is the fact that the first track was so good. Yeah, Why yeah, is the best we track have to the agree. first track? <laughs> the, the first, let's say, four tracks are really good. Yeah. Like, well, first if it was a four-track uh, EP, it'd be, be getting solid, nine yeah. out of ten, definitely, you know? Definitely, definitely. Something like that. <laughs> I feel like a special album, you know? It just feels like it's there. It's a collection of songs. We, we mentioned the track Adidas, or Adidas, as he probably says. Adidas. This, I think, had potential, but I, I would have liked some live drums... And mm. him to be a bit more introspective, it, it it had potential, you know. It could have been like an Anderson Pack type thing, you know. He could have because he, he had the bass line in there. Just need some live drums, and you got a jazzy sound. It was a nice change from the eight but it still, yeah, obviously, it still doesn't feel live, you know. Mm. I think the other thing as well is I wish he would change up his flow a bit. Yeah, because I feel like it, it it was rhythmically quite repetitive. Over here, and that's that's a common thing throughout the album. One where I did quite like his flow was track five, Dope Boy Diary. It was not your usual standard flow. 
which I liked. It caught it caught me off guard a bit, and it it made me pay attention to what he was saying. So what I think with this track is it could really benefit from a slower BPM and some more introspective lyrics because mm. it's called Dope Boy's Diary. He could have you know done a reflection of yeah. he's got this braggadocious lifestyle, but then also the troubles mm. that he's facing with that, but. It's not really that, it's just... Dip. I've got a lyric here. My bitch ain't had tits, so I bought her tits. Yeah, I was going me- <laughs> to mention that one, man. It's like... <laughs> so it's quite a serious song. Yeah. But as soon as he said, my bitch ain't had tits, so I bought her tits, I was like, come on, man. <laughs> I think that's when I stopped listening to the lyrics in the album, to be fair. I think there are some good one-liners throughout mm. this album. That's not one of them. No. One track I did really like was the last track. Okay. I thought he was quite impressive on that because I'd not heard him in that kind of way. It's just him rapping, isn't it? I think it's really solid and it shows he's capable as a rapper. Yeah, definitely. I would have liked to see more of that across the album, but I guess that isn't like what Tory Lanez is marketed as, is it? So it'll be interesting to hear, though, what you just said about how he's being marketed. If you listen to Letter to the City, he starts the song off with, by the time you hear this, my my, my record deal will be over. I'll be independent. So it'll be interesting to, to hear what his next release is going to sound like. I think throughout this album, I can, like you said, you know, I can hear that he's very capable. There, there's potential in here. You can tell... He's a very talented guy. But it does feel like he's doing a lot of what he's doing for the image side of things. With Message for God's Children as well, going back to that, I think it's one of the more mature tracks on the album. Yeah, definitely. But it does contradict a lot of the others. I know, no, this is where I felt, like, for for the whole album, this is the track I wanted. Like, You're, um, where he's actually talking about feelings and... He's saying some pretty, some, some, some pretty smart shit, like... You know, yeah, yeah. design the clothes got us dying in every stool, for example. That's a very valid point. Goes with what, you know, similar to what Kanye said in New Slaves as well. Mm. But I feel like this kind of shit could be driven much more clearly throughout the the rest of the album. Because when you've yeah, got other lyrically, lyrics, yeah. this is a step above the rest of the album. Definitely, definitely. I, I don't understand why it was all saved for this last track that most people probably won't get to because of how dragged out the rest of it is. He's saying some serious shit. He's he's being real with the listener. Like, you gotta be. You gotta keep that throughout the whole album. Like otherwise, it's it's yeah. just a fad. What's the point? People are gonna take these songs seriously. Because I mean, he's got his he's got his son on the cover. That's when before going into this, I thought this was gonna be start to finish. Like I was expecting something grand, something visionistic, cinematic, mm. all of this, and it was a rap caviar playlist. Literally, yeah. It could pass for that, yeah. I think if the whole album was like this, like track 16, you know, getting to understand kind of Tory Lanez as a real person, I would have preferred that and I would have appreciated it a lot more. Um, That's maybe if we went back through his older stuff, but this, I was really looking to understand Tory Lanez. And like Mm. you said, this does not do that. That, Mm. This has confused me more than anything, you know, (laughs) I don't know where he stands. Mm. Track seven, broken a minute. Started off with this sax loop, right? And I got really excited when I heard it. I was like, "Yes, sax," but it's just the same loop for the whole, for the whole song, save for one point when it goes into halftime. But oh, it's just basic. Yeah, I wrote that one down. Had some, it had some decent one one liners in there though. Weed is so strong. I feel like Popeye off the spinach. It, it's one minute thirty of the same sax sample. Yeah. Over and over again. It's really it repetitive. You've got to switch it up. And they, they've got examples of them, like, having a loop that they alter a lot mm. and, like, they can work with throughout the track. But this, I don't know, it doesn't it does finish. With it's it. like they didn't bother. I think to link this into the strokes, which we'll, we'll come on to in a bit, the strokes, one of my gripes with them and with this album was that the chord progressions are very samey, very predictable. But they build around them really well. Whereas you take something like this, Broken a Minute, and it is just that same loop all throughout. Yeah. And it's not musically interesting. 
and that's 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 my gripe with it i think we've covered everything to be fair i mean mm. i haven't got anything more to add yeah. the first tracks were great uh, as we started to get to track five i felt it started to fall off yeah yeah, yeah. and then suddenly it just went into this mesh of bog standard rap caviar mm. completely lost interest until so, the last track yeah which was a very lyrical pretty much impressive yeah. show from tory lanes which yeah. i wasn't expecting i mean for me it peaked at one two and three were good and then it just fell off a cliff yep for the rest of the album <laughs> but yeah i mean and yeah the features on here I think could have been way better. Lil TJ, I've not listened to him before this album, but going off of this, he's he's nothing I've not heard a million times before. Um, but yeah, I would have liked a lot more experimentation. I've heard a lot about his previous tape. Uh, I think it's called Chicks Tape or something. I heard that was very sample heavy. So uh, what's your score looking like? Overall, I'm going to have to say 5 out of 10. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I gave Party Next Door a 2 out of 10. And that was because it was bland all the way through, right? It was like, it was just really bad. Because there was not a point on there that I could pick out and say, mm. I enjoyed that. Yeah, me neither. On this, there were moments that were quite strong moments where I was like enjoying myself. Mm. It's just, there wasn't enough of those. It was inconsistent. Yeah. Very inconsistent. So I think five out of ten, good effort. I think he's got potential as an artist. Definitely, I definitely see the potential here. I think we'll have to review the next album that comes out because that will be an interesting one. Mm, definitely, definitely. If he said he's losing his label, mm. we'll have to see what happens there. All right. But as for now, five out of ten in agreement. Yep, solid. Fifty percent. Sick. <laughs> Could be worse. Could be a lot better. Check it. Check it. So, on to Technique of the Week. This is the segment where Seth gives me a way to make music that he's thought of, and I'm going to review it. So what have you got for me this week? This Technique of the Week applies to you if you have a cat in your house. Right. What you got to do is you make your cat purr, then you record your cat purring, and then you sample that, and you put it into your sampler, you loop that little section of the purr, you map it out across your keyboard and you have a bass. But so you make it, you should make it so they scream so that when you're playing the keyboard it sounds like you're pressing down <laughs> no one's gonna wanna hear that man. <laughs> on, on cat screeching. That's sound horrible. Just that that'd be beautiful. Like just no. so when no, you press down no, on the key no, no, no. it's like you're hitting a hammer on a cat. No. And then you just have that on the octaves can't and be, you're like you can't be saying that man. Cats are sacred. Like a low that's a like a low splat no. and then a high no, no, no. screech, you know? Mate, anyone who talks about hurting cats, you know, special place in hell. <laughs> special place in hell I'm, for I'm you, man. I'm joking. I'm joking. Right. So you're saying make a sampler <laughs> of cat noises. Well, no. So it's basically, it's a single purr. I mean, it's a deep. It's a single purr. It's a deep rumble. Yeah. So you're sampling that. And so it's got its own special character and uniqueness to it. So and and what what sort of sound are you getting? What would you compare it to? Hmm, it's, it's hard to describe. It's very gritty sounding bass. What I'm trying to figure out is, could I make 808s out of cats purring? Yeah, that's in the envelope, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah, just shape it so you hit it, cool. and then it, it fa- fades away. And then yeah, I can send you some samples of my cat if you want. If you want to make it even better, right? Root the sound out through an amp, and then record that back in. It sounds incredible. <laughs> it, I have, yeah. Are you, are you playing these cat, you have cat purrs out loud for your amp? You're gonna scare your cat, or it's gonna think it's got a rival cat that's gonna gonna take his place in your house, and then you'll you'll scare off your cat. I mean, it's been a while since I've done this, to be fair. But okay, we'll have to do some experimenting then. I'll report back to you, or or I will. I'll come around your house and start playing cat noises and see how do your it. cat reacts. Do it. <laughs> Okay. You know there's great. an app. There's an app called Cat Piano, where it's a, it's a keyboard, of meow noises. This is what I, I was expecting this technique to be. <laughs> <laughs> nah, mate. This purr. It's a looped 
bass the, the purr is a is a specific I'm noise i'm telling you now man of the technique and if 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 you don't have a cat and you have a dog that's cool too you just maybe, maybe a growl from growl, the dog yeah. And if, if you don't have a dog and you have a sister or a brother, <laughs> just just hit them a bit. Yeah. And exactly. they'll probably make a noise. Exactly. So Sample that's that that's my the technique of the music. week. There we go. We both we both we both got our technique this week. There we go. Cool. Album two. So album two is the strokes, the new abnormal. Yes. Now I introduced you to the strokes, didn't I? Yes, formally, yeah. So we, we went to see them last year, and I've wanted to see them again ever since because they were so good live. Yeah, I, I wanted to go into a bit of the rock genre because the Strokes were kind of pivotal in making it a thing in the noughties. Mm. Like, you think of some of your favourite rock bands that are currently still making music, like mm. Arctic Monkeys, Tame Impala... None of them would really have a spot if it weren't for The Strokes. Mm. The Strokes broke down the door for alternative indie rock. They they kind of created that genre, you know? Is This It was definitely a turning point for rock and indie. 100%. So they came out, I think, 2001, Is This It? And that was a landmark album. Mm. You, you have Alex Turner from Arctic Monkeys. So it's become a meme at this point. He says, I just wanted to be one of the strokes. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it shows their influence on the genre, you know. It, you had people, like the old heads of the day, there's probably like Pink Floyd fans and stuff, they, they didn't consider it real rock, mm. which is weird when on the other side you had new metal that was taking off yeah. and like all this pop punk that was soon to come. It was it was kind of because you had Nirvana, then Kurt Cobain died, and we had a big spell of Britpop. Yeah, and... grunge got really big as well. <laughs> grunge, yeah. Um, but this was the first thing that took like the vintage guitar sounds, kind of influenced by Led Zeppelin and all those kind of bands, and you had them and the White Stripes that were bringing these sounds back of the the vintage rock, just plug into an amp and you're good to go. Mm. And in a weird way, that was groundbreaking for the time, mm. just to have it so rough. And that was a big thing in their mix. They they wouldn't do a really clean mix. They would make it so the vocals were sitting under the instruments and have it sound really rough like it was. Especially when you think about how everyone was just trying to innovate and just do the next crazy yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just back to basics, just energy and music, man. Exactly. That's all you can say about it. It's just energy in music form. Exactly. That was the first Strokes album and same for the White Stripes, which is another one of my favourite bands. Mm. So, should we get into this album? Because this is an interesting one. So the Strokes have been dormant, let's say, mm. for the last seven years. Seven years, yeah. And... So their, their last album, Come Down Machine, that was, people don't consider it a proper Strokes album because it was, it doesn't even have album art. It's just like it was for the label that in their contract, they had to make that album. So people a bit iffy on it. Like it doesn't feel. What do you think of it? I thought it was all right, but I definitely feel the criticisms that, mm. You know that they made it because it was contractually obligated. Because I've heard that the Strokes really hate Come Down Machine. Yeah, I don't think they toured it even. Wow. I don't yeah. think they they marketed it. They they did it, and As they're like, we're out of the contract. By yeah. we're done. They went off and did their solo things. We had the voids mm. and some really good stuff come out during that period, and now they've come back with Rick Rubin to to do the new Abnormal. So it's hmm. it's been an interesting time f for Strokes fans. Definitely. But I think they've delivered with this album. So I, I've talked a lot. <laughs> How do you find the Strokes? Well, <clears throat> I've listened to Is This It a million times, um, mm. as of a lot of people. Um, but I've not listened to any of their other albums in full. Um, I've been meaning to get around to them. I've just... I just haven't yet. So 
I want to talk about quickly the singles. So the first single that they came out with was At The Door. Yes. And you're mentioning with The weekend weird single releases. Mm. At The Door is insane. Mm. This is, I'd just say it's my favourite on the album. Mm. It's one of my favourites as well. And it's just like, there's barely any drums in this. It was very ballady, wasn't it? Yeah, for the good part of the song, it's just the simps and Julian's voice. Probably my favourite vocalist. Because I can just put him on and he'll sing me to sleep. <laughs> like, literally, it's, it's his voice is so smooth. And this is one of the best examples of it. You've just got simp going on, his voice... Halfway through, you get these pulsing guitars come in, and it's a bit of kick drum. I think that's all it needs. It's like a bit of heartbeat throughout the track, you know. I like and how it doesn't it's, build it's towards a massive climax, and it's like yeah, yeah, it does constantly feel like it's building. But then it goes into this other section, and then it cuts out, and then comes back into the synth. The duh, yeah, duh, duh, that bit, and that's yeah. That's 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 sufficient, you know? I don't feel yeah. like I'm, I'm missing out on anything else. It it's a really like minimalist but also insane track. Sound, I don't know yeah. how to describe it. It it's... sounds really thick, and I think this is where having Rick Rubin producing your records yeah. really comes through. Because that that like from the first second, man, it sounds so thick, it's so juicy, man. I'm going to talk a bit about Rick Rubin because there's some weird stuff on this album that not in a good weird way. I think there's some weird choices on this album that I don't necessarily agree with. Mm. But here, uh, it's perfect. Like, <laughs> I got, I've got nothing bad to say about this track. I'm, I'm tempted to say favourite stroke song ever. Really? Like that. That's a bold statement. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Julian was going pretty kind of folky, kind of Father John Misty-ish and kind of the breakdown bit around three minutes. Mm. Just kind of the melodies he was singing. And then it goes into these auto-tuned vocals at the end. And I thought those, those were incredible. <laughs> that, that was an album yeah. highlight for me, I think. How they've got the rock sound and then they're experimenting with all these textures. And it's then just they're just insane. throwing this mix of styles in. This, yeah, it, this is a great, great track. And I could see why they would have put it out as a single. The video for At The Door is insane. I'd highly recommend checking that out if you haven't. It's like this neon cyber watership down animation. You have to watch it. Words don't do it. You have to watch it. It's If you don't check out anything from this album, watch the video for At The Door. And that's all you need. The second single that came out was Bad Decisions. And this really disappointed me on first listen because it, it just had this really repetitive chorus. Mm. One, It was like one note chorus. And I, I didn't realise at the time it was a Billy Idol interpolation. Yeah, I saw he was on the songwriting credits, but I didn't check. It, it's got kind of the 80s sound, but I, just, I was missing those synths, man. And like mm. the, the, just the craziness of At The Door. I thought this... This song to me sounded a bit like, um, well, I was getting some mild 80s vibes throughout the album, but on this track especially, yeah. it felt like it should be at the end of some 80s feel-good film, I thought. <laughs> I thought yeah. especially, well, obviously you've got that happy jangly guitar at the start, but towards the end he does some yes, and I was getting massive Bono vibes from that. Like, <laughs> he was re- It was like he was trying to sound like Bono. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, he pulled it off. Sound very good, but I, I like the track. I'll say that. But yeah, in terms of the singles, I didn't know what to expect after that because I'd had one insane, like crazy song, and then bad decisions, which mm. kind of I was hoping this album wasn't going to be. Yeah. But overall, I think it's a really solid album. Mm. Track one, the adults are talking. This, this, this grabbed my attention. From the get-go. I, I really love mm. the drum sequence. I love the, the open hat with the delay on it. And I love how it just stays there throughout the whole track. I thought this was a very interesting composition. So, for example, Julian's coming in that when, you'd, well, when you don't expect him to. But it works. 
And I think it builds really nicely. There's some great guitar work. The melodies in this, they're soothing. Everything complements each other. So and I want this... to talk about something that I noticed with this track, with the melodies yeah, and okay. the guitar leads especially. So the song's called The Adults Are Talking and it's kind of about this breakup argument. And I, I felt that the guitar leads also sounded like an argument. Oh, You had these okay. two guitar leads going back and forth and it sounded like they were talking to each other. It okay. sounded like the guitar leads were having an argument. And I just picked up on that and I really loved it. I'll, I'll listen again with that in mind. I thought I was, throughout the album, I was getting a lot of, I thought the guitars talk to each other very well. So in, yeah. So for example, Why Are Sundays So, so Depressing? The guitars, they're panned hard left and right and they're, they're spaced out really well and I really mm. like how they're written. But okay, I'll, I'll listen to that. Okay, yeah, I like that. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, okay. I think that this song is a great way to get the listener introduced to how Ruben's production marries with the Strokes, the Strokes' yes. compositions and performances. I picked up on this because it's got that mm. classic Stroke sound in there. Exactly. But then you've got a bit of the weirdness from Rick Rubin. Exactly. It's like a perfect way to introduce the two, the two worlds. Yeah. So what did you think of Brooklyn Bridge to the Chorus? This is another one of my favourites, man. I mean, I didn't go too deep into this, but it was big it was energetic just felt almost triumphant very colorful love the synths love the guitars i thought everything fit together really well um yeah everything transitioned seamlessly and you know it's just a great piece of music i thought how about you so i think for me this is an example of rick rubin making some weird choices in the mix for me i found the synths they kind of turned up to an almost like grating level. I think, it, especially with headphones, I found it's kind of it, it. It really pierces you, you know, that synth. And there's definitely some some weird mixing going on throughout the track. But I did like it generally. I think you know it's got this a intentional eighties nostalgia going for it. You know, it's got the lyrics referring to it even, and it's all about themes of getting older and looking back. So it makes sense. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. Here we go. Hot take. <laughs> I mean, I've, this was one of my favorites on the album. Um, and I think it was supposed to be in your face from start to finish. Right. I think having the synths just yeah. pushed up to max and having them in, all over the place. Uh, I, I definitely don't think with Rick Rubin, he makes mistakes. Yeah. Everything's a creative decision. Exactly. I just don't think I necessarily agree with all of them. But you have to respect, mm. like, this isn't a rush job. He's not, like, <laughs> done this by accident. It's it's definitely a creative definitely, decision yeah. there to for it to be like this. I'm going to have to agree with his creative decision. I thought, I, just, I think it was very, there's a lot going on instrumentally. I think the, the synth work on here is awesome. I think mm. everything just comes in when it should. And it's it's just a great piece of music. I, I really enjoyed it. So the themes of the track are like getting yeah, older yeah, yeah. and he's looking back at the youth of today. I found that really interesting because he's using the 80s sound mm. to do that because he's, it's kind of like he's saying he doesn't really understand today, you know, yeah. like people growing okay. up. It's different like generations, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's looking back with their 80s is where he felt comfortable, mm. you know? And I, I don't know, that'd be interesting for us to do in like 30 years. Mm. Yeah, Definitely I just none. I want to hear some nostalgic trap. Mm. Nostalgic trap, mate. <laughs> Thirty years time, nostalgic trap. Do you think that's going to be a thing? Tra trap's going to die in a few years, and then twenty years down the line, all big trap comeback. Do you know something <laughs> about that, right? Do you reckon? So you know how one specific kind of time period. So let's say the eighties and all the synth poppy shit. Like, yeah, it has that specific sound and it sounds quite dated when you listen to it now. Yeah. I wonder, well, a lot of that scope for evolution and like the changing sounds is because of the equipment. So like there's yes. only a certain amount of equipment you can use, only so many sounds you can get. Well, I'll say that depends how much you experiment, but a lot of it was down to what equipment you had. Whereas now mm. that everything's in the box, as of right now, do you reckon maybe... 
there's because obviously the sound is a lot broader. So how is that going to evolve? I think sounds are going to develop a lot more naturally. Mm. People are going to experiment with it. Before it was like, oh, there's this new synth that came mm. out and suddenly it's changed the game. Everyone's using it and it changes mm. because of the, the technology that's coming out. It's changing the sounds that we're hearing. It goes hearing. back to what we've been saying about Whereas, synths and live shit coming back. You know, people, yeah, people and are I think bored of now, not having any limitations. We're going to find as technology becomes less and less of a factor... Yeah. It's going to be more it's of a more natural transition focus. with people yeah. experimenting. Because people have got access to everything now. If you imagine a sound, you can make it. You know? So the more interesting so shit it's... that people don't think of, the, yeah. the shit that just happens, the spontaneous stuff, that's, that's where the best, most, crea- most creative exactly. sounds come from. So mm. we, We've gone on a tangent. Yeah, we've gone on a tangent. The next track that I want to talk about is the last track on this album. That's Ode to the Mets. What did you think of this one? I love this one. I thought it was it was like At the Door Part 2. The simps at the beginning are just insane. And when they come back through the track, they're so nice. And then it's just got the classic stroke sounds melding so well with mm. it. I think it's it's an amazing closer. I got really excited when I heard that synth sequence at the start. Um, I, I I don't really know what I was expecting, so I kind of felt like I wanted more because obviously they're just gone after thirty seconds. But when you listen back to it a few times, it's like it, was, it wouldn't fit on the album if it was just this a big synth jam. Yeah, <laughs> there, there so, is some. They're, they're more understated yeah. than like in at the door, but they mm. they are definitely yeah, there yeah, yeah. throughout the track. As for that main sequence or that main melody, I kind of, I wanted it to go somewhere. And in a way, I'm kind of glad that mm. it didn't. Because... <laughs> I, I feel that, yeah. yeah. It leaves, leaves lots to the imagination as well. It does. Um, but yeah, I mean... It's, it's an interesting yeah. placement, isn't it? I, I, I really like that it's there. I think a good way... It, well, it was the, I was just having a walk when I first listened to this album. And it was one of the moments in the album where I heard it and I kind of stopped just focusing on the music like, oh shit what's this where's this gonna go um, so that's 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 one of the things I really liked about it um, but I think throughout the album there's a lot of really great songwriting and melodies going on and I think this is one of the best examples of that I think the Mellotron for example that Definitely. harmonizes so nicely with I have to be honest with, with, us, with stroke songs I tend to just zone out and all I hear are guitars and Julian's voice, and then that's it. That's all I need to hear. It's just exactly. I find that so yeah. soothing, and that's <laughs> this does that, and it's got Rick Rubin, mm. and it it it's for me it ties up the album. Really absolutely nicely. loved it. What did you think of Eternal Summer? I quite like that one. I thought it was, I don't know, it was, it felt like it fit in the album really nicely. I just thought there were some mm. cool things going on in there. So like, there was that really screechy guitar in the right. I thought the yeah. bass line was really cool as well. Got some cool synths in there. You got some cool new riffs that are coming in towards the end. Drums sound punchy as fuck. It was solid tune. How about you? I really like it, but I also feel that it's very cluttered, and it does go on a bit, in my yeah. opinion. I think if they'd kind of cut certain bits, they could have cut down the song. Um, the sections that I feel just don't need to be there, but the chorus is so good. <laughs> you know, it makes a song, and just just his distorted vocals. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's that's what you want, Julian. In just distort the fuck out of his voice and make it soothing somehow. This was. It's not made my my top three tracks, but no, it's probably number four for me. Yeah, I just thought it was it was an interesting one because I equally loved it and thought it was a bit messy at the same time. I really like it when he when he goes high. Yeah. Da, 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 that bit. Da, <laughs> da, 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 da. He's, like I said, he's my favorite vocalist. I like how it it felt throughout throughout the whole record. It felt quite live as well. And I really like kind of yeah. the Roland studio 
kind of outtakes. Like for example, in Ode to the Mets, he um he has he gives a cue to Fab, who's the drummer. It's like Dr- drums, please, Fab. Yeah, I, I noticed there was. I think it was Brooklyn Bridge to the chorus where they were just giving like call-outs yeah. to change the section, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I love. Take to the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> this this just felt like they they'd gone in one day and said, right, let's record the album. We've written it all. Here we go, and then that's it. Mm. You know, that's what the album feels like. It feels natural. It feels natural. I found there were bits that brought it down. So, what 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 are you scoring this? What's your overall opinion? So, there was nothing really that I disliked about this album. Mm. But there's nothing really that blew my mind either. Um, but it's it's good music. I can tell it's the Strokes. It's a good Strokes album. But I would have quite liked some some really really next level shit. I feel like this is Rick Rubin doing what he does best and the Strokes mm. doing what they do best. And that's, that's why I like this album, because it's good. I don't think it was supposed to be like super experimental. I, I'd like a sequel to this album where they push it out even further. But I think right now I'm more than happy with this one. Definitely. It's, it's, they're, they're nailing their sound, I think, is what this album is. Yeah. But you kind of, I feel like Julian does experimental stuff with the voids really mm. well. And for me, that kind of feels I'm not that. really listening to them. I'd definitely recommend, okay. like, if you want experimental Julian stuff, okay. go listen to the voids. Because mm. that has all your weird fucking simp shit that you want. Nice, okay. <laughs> I think that's what you were looking for in this album. It might be, Go listen yeah. to the voids. Because I, I wasn't disappointed when I listened to this album. I'm just going to clarify that now. I, I enjoyed it. Um... But you you were looking for something like really weird and experimental, right? Yeah, partially, partially. I think yeah. Uh, go okay. listen to the I'll voids. That's what you're looking for. This is a Strokes record. It's not quite that, but I liked that they started to venture into that realm. Okay. And I think it really added to the sound. I'd say that I think for their next album, if they do start to experiment a bit more, I'd like some less less predictable chord progressions. I think, mm. as I said earlier, you know, they build around them really well. They, they know what they're doing. Yeah. They're very well arranged, very well performed. Uh, but I think now but they've I nailed think... that. It's been 20 years since their first album, nearly. Um, and I'd like to hear some some different shit. The evolution of the I strokes. think it's an example of like... So I'm, I mentioned Green Day's latest album recently. They tried to shake up their... Form- so Green Day have in my opinion, an amazing sound. You know, they're like one of the most solid rock bands just in terms of, you know, there's criticisms mm. that all their songs sound the same, yeah. but I would argue, is that a bad thing? They're exactly. all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then their latest album, they tried to shake it up in a really horribly I've bad only heard way. bad things about that album. Just don't even bother. <laughs> it's, You're selling it to me, man. It's just cringe and horrible. Um, I think I think artists <laughs> switching up their sound though it is that it's a, it's an entertaining listen yeah. because of how bad it is it's mm. like one of them but uh, I think the Strokes have room to experiment and do it well because they've shown yeah. glimpses here and especially with like at the door they they've showcased that they're able to experiment definitely. and do it really mm. really well and I think that's why. We we're wanting more now, definitely, and yeah, I think that's yeah. that's the best thing an album can do, and it leave you wanting more. Yeah. So I think it's definitely important for an artist to switch up their sound at some point, even if it's going to be really badly received. Because Zeppelin three, for example, that was panned when it came out; like people hated it. Mm. Now it's regarded as a classic. It's the same with Kanye. People as well. aren't going to start loving that Green Day album. Exactly. I can tell you yeah. straight away. <laughs> I mean, but I I do see your point. My yeah. favorite Kanye album is Jesus. Yeah. Like Miles. And a lot I'm, of people, I'm in the haters you know, originally. I, yeah. I didn't I didn't rate it on exactly. first listen, but you go back now and can't deny the production in, boat, in there. You know, it's, it's revolutionary. Yeah. ahead of his time. And similarly, there are so many artists who have tried switching it up and it just sounds terrible. Like you said, Green Day. A lot of the big 80s bands as well that have come back and done mm. reunion stuff and it just sounds dry and bad, you know? Yeah. But 
I think over here, the strokes have shown, as you said, they're ready to experiment. They've proven themselves. They may as well just make whatever the fuck they want to make at this point. But it might be seven years till the next record, so let's let's mm. see. Go listen to The Voids for I now. I think a lot of people, do you reckon, are kind of ex- going into The Strokes just expecting another, another Is This It? People hear, oh, there's mm. a new Strokes album. That That's kind of been a problem throughout their career, I mm. felt. They had one of the best... They set the bar very high. <laughs> ...like breakthrough albums. Mm. I argued ever this insane genre-defining album. Mm. How do they follow that? Exactly. And that's been their career ever since. <laughs> so, great album. Great performances, great compositions, great, great everything. Not super experimental, but it didn't really need to be. For Rick Rubin brought his colour palette to the record and it sounds amazing so I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10 7 out of 10 yes okay that's I would have given it I would have given it an 8 but I feel like at many points in the album I kind of I knew what was coming Mm. and that's something that kind of gets better through repeated listens as well but i'm going off the vibes i was getting as well how it made me feel yeah and so seven seven's a good school it's a it's a respectful seven so for me there's like i love this album and i can't name you a track that i dislike Mm, and would skip so that said, there are bits that I like. Th- there's bits within songs that I dislike rather than disliking the songs, if that yeah. makes sense. So, for example, Bad Decisions, it, it was this great sounding song, but it had that really repetitive one note chorus that I felt just dragged it down completely. Mm. And there's there's lots of bits like that throughout the album. That's the 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 main thing for me, like where where it was noticeable. But there's definitely other areas in the album that drag it down. There's the uh, you like the Rick Rubin stuff. For me, sometimes it gets a bit much, and I'd I'd rather like we we went from Party Next Door, which was nothing, mm. to Rick Rubin blam in your face, possibly a bit I too much for my taste. Album. I I don't think this album would have been anywhere near as good without Ruben. I'm I'm talking specifically about like Brooklyn Bridge to the Chorus, just the synths. Exactly. A bit too too much for me. Made it sound unique. Like if you turn it down a little bit. Just a just a touch. Just a tiny bit. Then then, you know, it's absolutely fine. So for me it's this was a really difficult one score and I'm not even sure. I kept now. fluctuating between a seven and an eight. I'm going between 8.5 and 9. 9? Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. I'm going to stick with 8.5 for now. I think they've got such a solid sound. It's definitely not an 8. It's an 8.5. I know what you mean. <laughs> That's higher. how I felt about After Hours. It's not a 9. Yeah. It's a 9.5. Yeah. <laughs> I was fluctuating quite a lot between 7 and 8. I kind of still am. I feel like... Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing I don't like about the album. It just didn't blow my mind. Mm. That's that's the that's the, the thing of it, isn't it? There's, I've given it a seven. I can't name a bad track. I can't so, name a track that I'd skip. But there's bits which I wish were better. But then the highs are incredible. Definitely. I think what was what was your favorite track again? Mine was Brooklyn Bridge. You like Brooklyn yeah. Bridge. So oh, for I'd me, I think talking. at the door, at the door is unmatched in my opinion. Like I said, possibly favourite Strokes song ever. Oh, all right at <laughs> the door, man. <laughs> it's between those three. Adults are talking Brooklyn Bridge yeah. and at the door. But it's definitely, when you listen to, let's say, at the door versus last night, which is the one everyone knows, mm. they're very, very different songs. Oh, yeah. Which is, which is good. <laughs> no comparisons. Like... Very good. Because yeah, man. you can't have 20 years in 
an artist's discography or a band's discography I, and it sounds I like the same. that like That's I've talked stable. about this with Kano and stuff mm. like that but I really like when artists show progression and they show like they couldn't have made at the door 20 years ago yes like the, yeah, exactly. they weren't in the right space they can't have made yeah. that they had to go through the career that they had to make at the Definitely. door and I love it when you get that from an artist it's like the defining moments and in their career you know like it shows right. it's it's a combination of all their experience and you know everything they picked up on and yeah it's it's because like we can't make at the door mm. we just we like can't. we can try yeah. we can try emulate it but we couldn't like make yeah we, we can't make something that'd be that great and just weird and mm. amazing and I, yeah, I'm gonna stop because we <laughs> keep going forever about at the door on its own. Um, but yeah, I'm happy with that eight point five from me. It was a seven out of ten for me. Good, good. That's week week three done. What what have we got next so, week? Our next episode is gonna be a little special. It's episode four. So so we have the Mike Dean instrumental album four twenty, and the Chronic by Dr Dre. That's that's gonna be our first classic review, and. We'll close up with that. Yes. Thank you for listening. 